All right. Anybody have any definition or anything they want to share about sin? Yes. is a violation of God's law. Very nice. Very nice. Lovely. What was that? Commission or omission. Commission or omission. Or omission. All right. What else? What other, what other definitions do we have or things we discussed? Yes. Missing the mark. Missing the mark. All right. Missing the mark. Uh, anyone on Zoom have anything they want to share? Yep. That which destroys life. Oh, uh, yeah, that's probably our fault. So, uh, what was that? Yeah, well, I'll try to repeat what they're saying because otherwise it's not going to work. Did someone over here? Yeah. The Say one more time. Sin is any want of conformity or to our transgression of law. Are you talking? That sounds like he's like on former precedents according to the shorter catechism. No, that's lovely. That is part of that is absolutely uh, the shorter catechism is part of our creeds. The creeds are there to help illuminate our faith, right? And so uh, those are all. Does anyone have any one more that they want to share? Yeah. Hurting other people. All right. Love it. Short and simple. Um, sorry, y'all. Audio is not what it usually is. What has changed in the setup? Oh, Brett's screwing up everything. That's what the change. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how Terry usually does it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just the associate. She didn't give me any instructions. Um, so I'm sorry. I will speak up as loud as I can. I'll move you as close as I can, and we'll soldier on. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of other examples. I think those are all fabulous definitions. They're all, um, and these aren't, these definitions aren't to say this is what the definition is, but it's to help us grasp this idea of sin because it's a fairly large aspect in scripture and in our lives. Uh, Daniel Migliori, who is, who I am a big fan of, he is a, uh, he's a theologian at Princeton, he wrote kind of the intro to theology book that I really enjoy called Faith Seeking Understanding. And he has, buckle up, all right, this is the whole paragraph. He had, For his definition of sin, he has all that contravenes the will of God, as this is expressed in the special revelation, the Ten Commandments, the life, teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or known to some degree by general revelation, such as consciousness, the sense of moral responsibility. He says an important distinction is made in theology between actual sins, particular transgressions of God's will, and original sin, the radical and universal sinful human condition, which we'll get to. Sin is not only manifested in personal life, it is also embedded in social structures, 
The roots of sin are distrust of God, denial of grace, rejection of life and solidarity with others, and the idolatry of wealth, power, pleasure, or nation. Every Christian doctrine of sin be explicitly or implicitly related to an understanding of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Or as Shuler Guthrie puts it, sin is not loving and not being willing to let ourselves be loved. Um, so, you know, pick whichever one you like. Um, so those are a couple examples in addition to all the ones we've said. Uh, and I think those are, again, all fabulous from our creeds to how we have seen and acted in the world. Sin is one of those things that in my personal experience, we've seen, uh, you know, I've been a part of a lot of different churches and a lot of denominations and some give it a lot of merit and a lot of time, and some give it almost no merit and no time. Um, for some, sin seems to be the thing they want to talk about all the time, while for others, sin is something that they never mention. They don't even like saying the word aloud. And so we are going to try to strike a middle balance here. Because here's the thing. I don't think sin should be the end-all, be-all of our theology, and here's why. Sin, if that's all we're talking about, that is an egocentric thing that we're talking about. Sin is of us. Sin is not of God. So for sin to be the center point of our theology would be to make ourselves the center point of our theology. Even if sin is pointing to God, if that's all we're talking about all the time, then that is of the ego, in my opinion. That being said, Sin helps to illuminate who God is because sin is not of God. For some people, they call it negative theology and that we can't talk about uh, all the things that God is. We can only talk about what God is not. And God is not sin uh, and how sin is enacted in the world. One of the metaphors that I think would be helpful in thinking about this when we're talking and thinking about sin is that... Uh, you know, God is a magnificent skyscraper towering to the heavens that exist in complete darkness. And we here on human, we humans are trying to grasp what this skyscraper could possibly look like. We're trying to understand what the skyscraper is. And so we have all these candles that help to illuminate an aspect of the skyscraper. And so one of it might be the beauty of creation. We understand that God created the world. And so the beauty in the world helps to illuminate an aspect of that. And we see a piece of God. And sin, I think, is one of those candles that is helping to illuminate who God is because it's illuminating uh, who God is not. And so to focus entirely on the candle would be absurd when the magnificent structure is in front of us. But to not talk about the candle would be to miss an aspect of God. And so we're trying to strike that balance. And that's why we're having this class today. I'm going to start with original sin because it is crucial to um, the Reformed understanding. You can't really talk about Western theology without going back to Augustine every single time. And here's why. Because we, Reformed finds their roots and Calvin, who found his roots in scripture and the patristic fathers, specifically Augustine. So we're always going to be drawing that line in the Western church pretty much back to Augustine to see what he had to say. So Augustine was in a debate. There was a controversy. There was this man named Pelagius. Pelagius was a Celt. 
from the British Isles who came to Rome around 380 to study law. And when he came, he was appalled by the moral laxity he found there. And he gave away all his possessions and to give his life over to asceticism. Now, one of the major differences, there was monastic communities that were doing this. And Pelagius felt that it shouldn't just be the monastics who are giving away everything and living in this way. That's the call of every single Christian. So that's kind of the background of Pelagius's life. And then how Pelagius's theology evolves through that is he sees that God wouldn't call us to be perfect unless we could be perfect. God wouldn't call us to be to live without uh, sin if we couldn't actually live without sin. So for Pelagius, he believed that it was up to us and our own nature to come to God, that we had that ability to essentially overcome sin and reach God. Now, that doesn't mean Pelagius didn't think grace existed in the world, but what Pelagius thought was that the grace that it existed from God was given to us, uh, and the grace that was given to us was so that we could overcome sin in our own lives. And so uh, Pelagius kind of has this uh, working essentially through merit uh, to come to God. And so Augustine enters into this debate with Pelagius and Augustine really forwards this idea and really puts meat on the bones of the doctrine of original sin. Now, original sin was still kind of like that idea that wasn't purely Augustine. That idea was floating around the church when Augustine was writing, but Augustine with the major voice and the prolific writer and the incredible mind that he was really gave meat to it. And so original sin is this idea that from Adam, we have sin that has passed through generation and generation and generation that we are born into sin. We are born into rebellion with God. And so Augustine has this doctrine of original sin, uh, which he posits as a foil or defense or a attack against Pelagius. Um, adding to the, uh, sorry, uh, which was part of his pastoral concern. Um, and he felt that Palladius was trying to create this church here on earth that was without spot or wrinkle, that it was a church and other words of perfected saints. Pretty much it was keeping out, it would be a church that kept out the vast majority of people. Um, and this is, something that has already happened at this point in the Christian church. We have these people before Pelagius called the Donatist who had similar ideas, who had uh, an idea that we could achieve this moral perfection here on earth if only we lived in a certain way. And so Pelagius is kind of speaking in that vein. We've already decided we're not down with the Donatist, but Pelagius is kind of trying to resurrect this. And so uh, Augustine, by looking at uh, Genesis, by looking at Psalm 51, which talks about how that we are already, when we were conceived, already sinful creatures. Uh, and then again, in Romans, we see that humanity cannot overscape this sin that has passed through uh, generation to generation. And I think Augustine is right 1000%. Uh, I think Augustine hits the nail on the head where Augustine probably gets something wrong. Uh, and Calvin 
uh, agrees with Augustine, and I think Calvin's wrong, and I think we would all agree on this because we have a better understanding of biology, is they thought that essentially sin was like a gene uh, that was hereditary, that was passed down uh, from life to life to life to life, uh, which makes sense if we started with Adam and then it comes down from person to person to person, then it makes sense uh, in their mind that this sin is this thing in us that's passed along. I think we know enough about the human body to say there is no sin gene uh, that is this passed along, but that doesn't uh, discount the idea of original sin. So there are two kind of different thoughts of if it's not passed down hereditary, how does it go from generation to generation? How does original sin uh, affect its way all the way through humanity to get to this point? Um, so First, we have uh, Guthrie's idea of this, and he says, you know, Adam is the stand-in for the everyman, uh, and literally the Hebrew Adam means man or humanity, that, that Adam is humanity. And so in this story, we see every single person who will choose to fall over and over and over again, that, that Adam is the uh, person that we, who we all are. Um, and so it's, it's a stand-in. So that's one idea, um, and it has its merits and it has its flaws. And, uh, and the other one uh, comes from a guy named Schleiermacher, which is a fun name to say. Um, and Friedrich Schleiermacher, Friedrich, Sch Friedrich Schleiermacher uh, thought that, you know, it, it's kind of this idea of nature versus nurture, of instead of a hereditary gene that's passed along through humanity, that it's actually a social gene that is, is passed in. So when babies come into this world, they can't help but be infected. It's almost like a viral disease. They can't help but be infected with the idea of sin and the reality of sin throughout this uh, generation, throughout this people. And so every human that comes into this world is infected with sin. So those are kind of two ideas on how original sin passes along. Uh, and I think both of them, again, have their merits and both of them have their issues. None of them spell it out exactly completely, but I think we can all agree that sin continues to surface, that sin continues to be here. Uh, and so we explain that through the theological idea of original sin that comes back from Adam and advances to exactly where we are today. Sin, we gave examples of it. Um, sin is the chasm. It is the separation between us and God, right? Sin is what has removed us from God, and we can't cross that chasm. So this is the reformed view of total depravity. And so I want to clarify a couple things about total depravity, because here's Total depravity was really kind of made famous with Calvin, with John Calvin. And here's what happens all the time with theologians is a theologian will write a really wonderful work and it'll uh, make its way throughout um, the world. And then you'll have disciples of that theologian and they'll extremify every aspect or something that they want to extremify about uh, a certain aspect of that theology. So total depravity, uh, I want to clarify a couple of things, because 
there's Calvin's disciples who have made it one thing. And then there's what Calvin actually wrote and what I think is actually uh, truer to the idea of total depravity. So maybe what you've heard is that, you know, total depravity makes it so sin uh, that we cannot do a single good thing in life because sin has damaged us so much. Because sin has so infected us, we cannot do anything good in the world because that's how pervasive sin is in our lives and how it has destroyed us so much. Calvin would not say that. Calvin would say that sin is the because of original sin, because we are indoctrinated with sin, because sin is a part of us, we can't help, we cannot make it to God on our own. But that doesn't mean we can't do good in the world. That doesn't mean there can't be any sort of righteousness in the world. Calvin says that we have uh, human reason uh, and that through human reason, there is a sliver and ability of the human to do righteousness in the world. Uh, so essentially what he's saying is, you know, that there are um, even people who may not be Christ followers, that they have been gifted through God with human reason uh, and that through human reason, they are able to do some good things. But what total depravity is really driving at is that it has created a chasm within us that we cannot cross to get to God, uh, which is what Pelagius was uh, posturing and what some, um, what some denominations may posit without realizing they're positing it. You know, if, for instance, if you think that salvation comes because you have prayed a prayer and it's all your decision, then you're thinking you can get to God. Um, whereas the reformed view would be God's grace reached out and changed you. And because as a response to that grace, then you can pray that prayer. The order is super important, right? Of if it's the human will that's deciding to follow God, or is it God's grace that has touched you first? And then it's a response to God's grace uh, that, that leads you to uh, salvation, that leads you to uh, following God. The way I had a theology professor describe it, an undergrad, which is kind of a funny example, um, is he says, you know, sin is a terrible fall. He says, you know, uh, for the disciples of Calvin, sin is such a high fall, you're completely shattered and you can't move. You're stuck there. Your body is broken. You cannot inch your way either way because you, sin has so immobilized you. For Calvin, and I think the Reformed view, sin, you have fallen, you are so damaged, your legs are broken, and you can kind of crawl. You can still do some things in the world, but you can't heal. You can't make it to God. And then for other viewpoints, there's this idea that sin, it's a shorter fall. It's injured you, it's hurt you, but through some rehabilitation, through some working hard at it, that you'll be able to continue to run again. You'll be able to make and leap across that chasm. Uh, and so those are the different ways sin is worked out in the world. I hope you'll come next week because we're talking about redemption. Um, <laughs> and then I think that's, it's, it's difficult, uh, as I was preparing for this, it's difficult to talk about sin without redemption because those two things, it's, again, if we're talking about God, uh, God's redemption is, is the response to human sin. Uh, and so to talk about um, sin only can be difficult uh, in getting through it. 
Um, so those are so that's the idea of how sin has affected us, how sin has worked its way through humanity, how sin is continuing to work in the world today. Um, there are, and the way I see it, kind of two types of sin, um, and they're given different names. Uh, and again, I think depending on uh, what uh, denomination you're in, they'll give more credence to one than the other. Uh, we have individual sin, sin that are being that are conscious and our and our own actions and our own hearts and our own minds uh, that we have chosen to specifically enact on another person, another relationship, whether that relationship is with God or with others. And then, as uh, Migliori pointed out, we have these institutional sins. Uh, there are sins that are embedded into these institute human institutions. Uh, that were created by humans and therefore sin is a part of them. There is injustice that is embedded into these things. Uh, and so uh, we can participate in that in institutional sin. Um, some say, I, honestly, I'm still up in the air about this. Some say it has to be uh, a conscious decision of a knowing conscious decision of participating in the institutional sin that makes it something that's separating us from God. Uh, where others saying, uh, you know, Willie, this is what you pointed out, it could just be an omission. Uh, you don't realize you're being a part of it, but it's still drawing you away from God, still furthering you from God's law, uh, even if you don't necessarily realize that you're a part of it. But maybe when you do and looking back on it, you can see how that has been a, a wedge that has been hammered in between you and God. Um, so again, I think both are important. We have to talk about both. You can't get institutional sin without individual sin, uh, that these are all uh, interconnected. And to only put emphasis on one and to ignore the other is to ignore a really huge part of our world. Um, and so I guess, you know, I'm always trying to strike the middle line is what I'm trying to say. Uh, there is a joke in, um, in our undergrad religion department that every question was both and bit of both uh, and I feel like I often end up in that in that space of, yeah, yeah 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 just a little bit of both um, but this is a uh, quick overview of sin do we have any questions um, if you have a question on or comments on zoom if you'll wave at me or something uh, that'd be helpful but any questions or comments uh, from anywhere no one wants to comment on sin that's fine <laughs> <laughs> Why, why does it remind you of that? John said it reminds him of a country music song, Heaven is Just a Sin Away. Why does, why does it remind you of that? Other than it says sin. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, I said I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I didn't know what you said put me on the spot. I was saying uh, what, you know, what made you think of that? Why do you find that uh, sentence valuable? Now I'm putting you on the spot, <laughs> very explicitly. Um, well, with the original sin mm -hmm. is trying to be God. Yeah. Genesis three mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. And so you can make you can you can, you can make the world what you want. Mm -hmm. So that sin 
my life. Yeah. Which is what we all do. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so John talked about um, the, the, that original sin going back to Adam is, is trying to be God, trying to form God in our own image. That's both Augustine's view uh, and C.S. Lewis echoes it, that, uh, that the original sin, the first sin is the sin. And for, for Augustine, you know, all sins can be traced back to pride, uh, to, to this idea of us wanting to be God. Um, and I think that there is... Uh, absolutely some merit to that of, of everything comes back to trying to make the ego number one and God number two. Uh, and so, and so that's one aspect of sin. Yeah. So I, I, I look at it a little differently. I yeah. As uh, the curiosity of mankind, because God gave this garden and mm -hmm. you can touch everything but this. Mm -hmm. what, what goes on in your mind when I say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to touch it so bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, the because it was to eat from the knowledge of good and evil, right? It was it was to have to to be like of God, and so um, that there is this curiosity element that uh, both has been the the greatest gift to humanity and the greatest detriments all at the same time, um, and so I think we're trying to get at what is the heart. Um, I think it, perhaps I, I, I would say it's something more sinister than just curiosity. Uh, I don't think in my reading of scripture, my understanding of God, that God is one who punishes curiosity. Uh, I, think, you know, I think the serpent, the tempter said, look, if you do this, this will happen. I think that that added another level beyond the curiosity. Mm -hmm. I, I'm with you. I think curiosity would be an initial, would be an initial Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I loved how Guthrie phrased it. Sin is not loving and not being willing to let ourselves be loved, um, both, both by God uh, and by others. Um, that there's, there's an inherent almost selfishness or pridefulness uh, that, that we can find in that, right? I want to, I want to give real quick uh, people, for, anyone on Zoom have anything that they want to say or comment? There says, if you define sin as the pursuit of some of our more base animal instincts, then sin is genetically passed down. Um, yeah, so if, if that, again, that comes down to the definition of sin. If we think uh, sin can only be boiled down to um, wanting to have multiple sexual partners, if we think that is the basis of what sin is, then I think you can make that argument. But I'm, again, I don't see that uh, necessarily as, as what sin is lived out in the Bible, uh, that, that sin is a, a matter of the heart, um, which if you're saying um, it could be, uh, that is a genetic trait of our minds, uh, that, that could be, a, I think, a fair argument, I guess, if you want. But, um, I you know, this whole thing is trying to we're trying to theologically understand something that's really difficult to understand. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're working through. Uh, you know, I laid out 
you know, original sin was thought to be genetic for you know, 1600 years. Uh, and then some people said, mm, not so sure. Uh, but as Jerry said, you know, it could be still. <laughs> it could, maybe we just haven't discovered that yet. So, so but if we're born sinful, mm -hmm. why would I be better regardless? Because then you become a better person, a perfect person. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. So I think that that is where, again, uh, well, we'll touch on next week that this is the idea of, of, of grace, that this is grace that allows us to move towards sanctification, that the act of being made holy. Um, and so that is the goal of life. You know, Augustine, the other thing that original sin kind of helps us to understand is because um, we have the garden, right? We have God's original creation that is righteousness. We have God's original creation that is good, uh, which is who we are, right? That God has created as good and righteous and then something happens. Um, and so that is described as, original sin. Uh, that, that, is, that is the fracture that happens, is the fracture between the original righteousness uh, and, and the sinful reality that we're living in right now. There's something over here. Yeah. Yeah, this all reminds me of something like the daughter when she was when she's in her 30s now. She's only two or three years old then. And, and she was sitting on a chair and she starts reaching for this, this lamp that is, that is very fragile. And I thought to her, say, Sarah, no. And she whips her head around and she goes, Sarah, I have to. <laughs> Sarah, I have to. There is something in me. I can't help but disobey you. And I can't help but break the relationship uh, between, between the two of us. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah. wonder aloud. Yeah. So for, if you if you if you couldn't hear on Zoom, the 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 wandering aloud was we have uh, both these sins that have been uh, literally laid out, uh, and then in the Old Testament especially of God's law, and then we have Jesus kind of getting at the heart of some of these things, and so some of these sins we seem to have been like drawn exactly don't do this, and then some that seem to even within Scripture itself saying like. Oh, but it's actually more of a don't don't do this within yourself that causes destruction, um, and I, that's a that's a super important point, right? If we're trying to figure out uh, revelation and and what sin is within our lives, uh, can't we just have a laundry list of things to not not do? That would be a lot easier for me uh, if I just had a list of things that were put here that said do not do this. Um, but I think that. Sin is one of those things that, again, because it is both um, pervasive, uh, pervasive within institutions, it's pervasive within ourselves, uh, that it can look differently 
in my opinion, uh, this is not reform, this is Brett's opinion. I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna distinguish between those two things. Uh, that I think sin can look differently for different people. Uh, that I think it can enact itself, uh, that, that there can be, um, if, if, if we're looking at sin as not loving and not willing our, letting ourselves be loved, if we're looking at sin as something that separates us from God, um, that uh, separates us from God, um, then that may look different for different people. Um, um, and so, and so, yeah, we're trying to get at the heart of these things. Um, but I think, I think, you know, when I think of struggling with sin, I often think of, of Jake wrestling with God, uh, that we see, that we see this wrestling throughout our lives of, of, of Paul's doing the things that I know I should do and doing the things I don't want to do, uh, that, that sin is something that we are wrestling with, continually being called out of it by grace and by Christ's resurrection, uh, but also knowing in our heart of hearts uh, when we are falling into it and when we are participating in it. Uh, and then I think also it's not just an individual thing. This is why we're in community. I think there is community ethics that we participate in. Um, there may be something that I think is not a sin that I do not think is uh, hurting anyone. Uh, and then Dad can be like, Brett, you're really hurting this congregation by doing that right now. Um, but that is part of being in a community uh, of, of helping to uh, call ourselves out of that sin. Zoom, does anybody want to say anything? I see we have things going on in the chat. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Hmm. <laughs> no, they're tricks. Mm hmm. You're saying if we limit sin only to humanity, then we're limiting God's, sorry, I'm having a hard time understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think that if we see God as a God who consistently calls us to life and further than that resurrection, new life, uh, then I think here's here's the one issue I have with sin is just, you know, turn turning away from life is that 
God is continuing calling us to resurrection, to new life, which we don't fully understand. We don't fully grasp all of God's kingdom yet. We're still figuring that out. We're still hoping for that. We're still working towards it. God's kingdom has been brought with Jesus Christ, but it's not fully realized yet. And so even our um, conception of, of, of just life, um, in my opinion, can be limiting, that we're trying to go further to, to new life. We're trying to, to uh, go even beyond that, uh, which may, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a lovely uh, look at it, Jim. Did everyone have a chance? You want me to repeat that? Um, so Jim was saying that if we look at Jesus, uh, who is the ultimate example that or revelation that we have of love here on earth, we see self-sacrifice, the giving of self. And so the opposite of that would be self-preservation, be thinking of the self. And so for Jim, he finds the, the center of, of sin and, and the uh, focusing inward on the self uh, as opposed to the giving of self to others. Was that a fair uh, summary, Jim? <laughs> yeah yes give it to me will Putin make it to the kingdom of heaven uh-huh uh-huh mm -hmm. yeah yep yep will Putin make it to the kingdom of heaven that is the question um and I, I'm going to be a little tongue in cheek. I'm going to, I'm going to start with tongue in cheek. Of, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. Um, you know, none of us have the ability to, to know that. Um, that being said, oh man, it's awful when you get an echo of yourself. Um, that being said, uh, can, can the grace of God work out over evil? Can the grace of God purify even the most evil? Um, I like to think, yes. Do I know what that would possibly entail? I don't know. Uh, you know, it talks about in, I believe, 2 Thessalonians, uh, that, you know, that there will be a purifying fire that we see, uh, a purifying fire as gold. And it talks about, that's not just like unbelievers, that's everyone. Everyone will have to go through a purification. And going through fire doesn't sound pleasant. I don't think purification will be something that is that is enjoyable. Um, but can can God's grace overwhelm that? I think yes. Um, will humanity, uh, will people who have chosen to do such evil things continually choose themselves over and over and over and over again? That's a possibility as well. In C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, uh, the you know the dwarves are are given uh they're allowed to come through to the new narnia 
The door is open and all they can see is darkness around them and they don't move. Uh, all they see, all the, and, and the other people are try, begging them, trying to say, come to the lights, come to see the new Narnia, come in here. Uh, and the dwarves can only see the darkness that they're in, and they stay in that darkness. Uh, so can someone, as Jim says, if, if, if we're seeing sin as choosing the self over and over again, choosing the ego, uh, can someone continually choose that darkness over and over again and refuse to enter the presence of God? I think that's a possibility as well. And I think that's the greatest hell uh, to, to live uh, apart from the presence of God. Um, if you refuse to forgive, are you sinning? Um, mm-hmm. So, so we have two questions for those on Zoom, if you can hear. The first is, if I refuse to forgive, am I sinning? And the second one is, are there levels of sin? I think clearly we can see that different levels of sin cause more or less pain in the world. I think that's, that there is levels of sin that affect the world in different ways. That being said, what is the consequences of sins? Uh, the consequence of sins is separation from God. So they all have, they all have the same end point. They all have the same result in our own relations in our own um, ethereal relationship with God, in our own cosmic relationship with God. That it's separation. That being said, I think some further us from God than others. Um, I think some cause us to enter into that self-help a lot deeper than others. Um, I think that some remove us uh, from God a lot more than others, but they all have separated us from God and they have all created within us a need for a savior in Jesus Christ. Um, But there's different levels. So the first question um, is not forgiving a sin. Um, So if, if we're coming back to a few of our definitions of, of sin is either violating the law of God or sin is separation from others or from God, I think probably um, that, that, that forgiveness is causing a fracture uh, within our own souls. Uh, it's co- probably causing a fracture between a relationship, even if even if the, if you were to forgive, it probably wouldn't change anything on the surface, but it's who God has called us to be because we have been forgiven. Um, I find that to be an imperative in scripture uh, over and over again, that God has forgiven us. And so we are called to go out and forgive. That being said, uh, we live, some of us live in with certain sins longer than others. That may be something that uh, is going, you know, the, the scripture that we're talking about with Lazarus today uh, everyone's really kind of annoyed with Jesus because he doesn't go right away to heal, to, to heal Lazarus. And he says, I'm going to wait a few days before we go. Um, and everyone's like pretty, pretty pissed at Jesus. They're like, no, Lazarus is sick now. We got to go. Uh, kind of representing that God's time is completely different than our own. I think some of us may exist in that sin a long time. Uh, some of us may exist in that pain a long time. But I think Jesus is the one who's constantly calling us to resurrection, to new life. Uh, and so that is what we are heading towards. That's what we're trying to respond to is that new life that God is calling us to. 
Guys, we're at 1030. Uh, I know. Oh, sorry. One more. Stu. If the final word, don't screw it Listen, as a as a straight man, it's if if I were to think that that being gay was a sin, that's a really easy sin for me to condemn because it literally affects me in zero ways. It's it's a way to to, to find something that does not affect me in, in any way at all. Um, but to look inside my own heart and how I was yelling at the person who was driving ten under on this on the road yesterday, screaming at him because they were so. I'm still hot about this. Uh, it's, it's clearly something that I need forgiveness in my own heart, but it's a lot easier to, to look at another sin than to look at our own. All right, guys, I know that we could talk about more, but I have to go. Um, but uh, thank you all. Um, and I hope you come back next week. <laughs> all right.